The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. All right, y'all. It's Purdue's turn on summer school. I'm Bud Elliott. That's Mick Walker. That means we are talking Purdue. Boiler Sports Court is the place to go. Mick, what's going on, man? I'm doing good, bud. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, man. Just ripping through these and learning a whole lot about uh, about college football. It uh, it's work, but it doesn't doesn't feel like work in, until you do like eight of them in a day, and then then your, your face kind of feels tired from staring at the camera for so long. L- lots been changing around Purdue, though. Uh, Jeff Brom, you know, leaves to take the Louisville job. I don't think anybody can really blame him for you know taking Louisville and going home. Uh, and Purdue stays in division and bringing in Ryan Walters, uh, who was Illinois' defensive coordinator prior, had done a nice job. At Missouri, also reputation as a, as a good, good recruiter, and he's got some big shoes to fill here. I mean, Purdue went eight and six last year. Uh, Connolly, uh, my friend Bill Connolly, had him like in the mid fifties power ratings wise. That's a that's a pretty good mark for for Purdue's program. What what are your initial impressions of him? I, I think the initial impression of Ryan Walters is like you said, he's very energetic. He's a younger guy. He he comes from a background of defense, so he, he, I think he, you can feel that kind of that, that aggressive, that uh, in-your-face kind of style just out of his personality, just interacting with him, whether it's the press conference. I think he's very assertive and he's very well-spoken when it comes to all that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he replaces. You mentioned Jeff Brom, and he, he achieved some great things at Purdue, brought the program back to really re- uh, a place of relevancy, and he was able to coach up 
coach coach plays up coach football up very well considering i mean aiden o'connell former walk-on charlie jones who was their star wide receiver last year former walk-on and then devin mockaby who was their star running back last year was a walk-on throughout all that and then ryan walters put him on scholarship so it's going to be up to ryan walters and this coaching staff to really scheme it up the way jeff braun did to hit, hit those high points look let's talk offense here uh last year top 50 level offense i know they had had some injuries o- o'connell missed what the fau game and I thought it, I think it, maybe just one game, maybe two, uh, but a a, a, a de- pretty decent offense for Purdue that was competitive in in, uh, in a lot of games. Quarterback Aiden O'Connell's gone, uh, and also, I mean, Brom obviously we'll have a new offense coming in, which is pretty air ready from what I've been been reading from you guys. Uh, how does Hudson Card look in this new offense? What, what are the big changes you can expect from this offense? Gotcha. Yeah. So. Like you mentioned that Graham Harrell is bringing his version of the air raid. As I imagine you've learned, learning about different styles of air raid, everybody kind of claims that they have their own style of it, whether it's the spins you put on it. Graham seems to believe that his is somewhat more run-based, involves the tight ends. I think they try and involve some of that more power stuff. But when it comes to Hudson Card, he was really the talk of spring. You, you talk whether it's Walters, Graham Harrell, Kevin Kane, the defensive coordinator, or even defensive players that went against them. Everybody said that he was – he was just—he was probably the best player there, and he looked the part entirely. As soon as Ryan Walter stepped on campus and spoke about him when he could, he, he said that they thought they got the best quarterback in the transfer portal, and by all accounts, he lived up to that in spring. It's just going to be about—I think we both saw him play last year, and it's about making in the year prior. It's about making sure that those practice results prove themselves on the field, like like they have not been able to do necessarily to the same level at Texas. You think he is a. Uh... Is he a better player than O'Connell? Like I'm, I'm trying to kind of like in my, in my head rank these guys, and I'm like O'Connell had a pretty nice season. I know Card does have some upside. What? How would you stack those two? I, I think honestly, uh, you know, O'Connell is was obviously got drafted. He's a very good quarterback, but I think part of that is the time in Brom's system being under Brom. I think a lot of people believe that that contributed to him having the success he did. I think they believe that Hudson Card brings a much larger running element to the offense just because he is so much better of an athlete seeing as he was a former high school wide receiver there at Lake Travis. But I think if in this system with Graham Harrell and the simplicity of brains with the air raid schemes, the ability to be a dual threat prop like player for them, I think they believe he can Hudson Card can at least be as good as a player as Aiden O'Connell has been these past few years for Purdue, which is high praise considering all that Aiden O'Connell accomplished for the Boilermakers. For sure. They do have some pretty big losses to replace it. Receiver Charlie Jones comes over from Iowa. Good move, uh, by the way, to go to some place that actually is is willing to throw the football. And, and man, did they ever throw it to him? 157 targets. I, I think it's probably like the highest or the second highest number uh, that I've seen. Uh, X Hutchinson at, at Iowa State was also really, really high. We, we did that episode the other day. And Payne Durham's also gone. Did did Corey Gramage, the, or, or Gramage did he bounce the, the, the transfer that they, they had taken a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I, I believe that I believe UF, UCF was able to bring him down to Orlando. So they, but they did get Jamal Adreen from uh, from FAU, who they like a Who's, lot. They really okay. They really like Jamal. So Jamal seems like a hit, which would make sense given what he did at FAU. Who around him? Because if you're running the air raid, I mean, you're going to be you may not be running four wide, but you're running three wide quite often. Who around him are guys that you would expect to step up for this unit? Yeah, I believe if you go back and look at KJ Sheffield, who who would probably be their their leading returning wide receiver, I think they have a lot of faith that he could be somebody that whether it's be the number one or have games where he plays like a number one or is featured like that. I don't know if he is consistently the number one, whether 
because you can go to a guy like Jamal Adrian or, or even Dion Burks is the other guy. I think they have a lot of faith in from the slot. I think him and him and Sheffield both play a lot in the slot. Either one of them can probably move outside as well. Dion Burks, I think he's a he's somewhat of a younger guy. He's coming in, I think, his third year in the program. He's starting. He took form a little bit last year. Got injured in the bowl game against LSU with a scary hit, scary little scary uh, head injury type of thing. But he's been back this spring. And Graham Harrell talked about explosive plays and wanted to make sure that they have have those in the offense. And specifically mentioned Deion Burks as the guy that could help bring him. So TJ Sheffield and Deion Burks are the other two wide receivers that you'd probably want to know other than Jamal Adrian, who we talked about, and they like Garrett Miller at tight end as well. Okay. I, I, I feel like so far, just personally, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying into what Purdue's doing on offense. O-line scares me, though. I mean, you, you lose Eric Miller to the transfer portal. He, he played 920 snaps last year and was, was you know, not an amazing player, but, Certainly, if you play 920 snaps, that tells me they don't have anybody better or anybody even nibbing at your heels to, to try out there. You lose both both guards. I, is, this a, is this a potential trouble spot for them, or, or, or do they feel good? No, I, I think if there's one thing that caps the ceiling on this offense, it has to be the offensive line. Because like you said, Eric Miller's gone. Spencer Holslidge has gone to U, UCLA, which was a quick one that obviously he's going to be an impactful player for them. Eric Miller was a starting tackle for him, and then – you may, they're probably their best offensive lineman is Gus Hartwig, a former uh, All-American uh, prospect, and I believe in the 2019 or 2020 class that was like a high four-star prospect. He he missed he got injured late in the season with a lower body injury, so he'll also be out early in the season. So they'll have to have a backup center. Marcus Embo was I think the, he he was a starting guard at some points last year. I think they tried some experiments on moving him out to tackle this spring. So I think Josh Kaltenberger, the backup center, will be the Obviously, I think he slides in the starting center spot. Marcus Embo will play somewhere. And I think they like Jalen Grant, who's an offensive line transfer they brought from Bowling Green. I think those three would probably move somewhere around. I think I think we'll at least see Marcus Embo to start at a tackle spot if I had to imagine just because the athlete he is. And you'll see like Jalen Grant at one of those tackle spots. But other than that, you're going to have to play some uh, some younger guys, whether it's uh, Muhammad Musa or some of these other guys or Daniel Johnson, who's a former Canton State transfer at, at one of the tackle spots. Or you, they could – they could all, both those two names, Musa and Johnson, could be their starting tackles. And then you're looking at a guy like Ben Farrell, who came from Indiana Wesleyan, who's the potential guard for him, or even uh, I, I can't think of it, uh, Luke Griffin, who came from Missouri with offensive line coach Marcus Johnson. That's another guy that could slide into a guard spot who played for Missouri at some spots last year. So it's going to be mix and match and just trying to find different spots. One, one thing we've noticed when, when coaches jump jobs is the success rate on guys who they take with them is generally fairly high. Not necessarily implying that they will be a star, but because they've been able to work with the player in person as opposed to like a kid out of high school, like they generally know, okay, this guy can help me. Like this guy can play at this level. So that 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 is comforting to know that, that the Missouri kid they took came along with the offensive line coach. Let's, uh, let's shift to the defense here. Uh, the last two years, Purdue has played – Somewhere between like passable to even good defense, which is is notable because for most of my adult life they've played you know kind of poor defense uh, for for quite a while. They lose some important pieces, and yet like some of the pieces come back I kind of like. So if you can help me kind of shift through this, D line scares the heck out of me. I mean Sullivan, Dean, and Johnson are all gone, and those guys were fairly productive dudes. Uh, they took three transfers. Like, do the transfers need to hit, or is it more like? They got guys behind them that, that could come back and, and make a difference. I, I saw the Lewis kid is still on the roster, and he played in 21, but I don't have much stats for him from last year. It, How do you see this shaking out? 
Yeah, so obviously we mentioned O-line, and we mentioned earlier that Brom could coach up. Brom was a very good coach. The recruiting during this time at Purdue was not always where it needed to be, and I think you see that along the offensive line especially. Defensive line, Mark Hagan was the defensive line coach for a long time. He went to Louisville with Jeff Brom. He could recruit defensive line fairly well. So I think between those three transfers, you, you're talking about Jeffrey Embaugh from Auburn, uh, Isaiah Nichols from Arkansas, and then I can't – what's the third one? There's a third one. I can't – uh, Malik Langham, the, the Vanderbilt kid. Malik. Yeah, from Florida Vanderbilt. Yeah, there we go. Yep. That's the third guy. I think they believe all three of those guys can play and play well, especially Jeffrey Embaugh. I mean, you I don't know if you've ever seen him in person. This yeah, guy he's is, huge. He he looks like an offensive tackle is what he actually looks like. And then was he in for spring? He was not. He 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 was a late spring addition there, I think. But Cole Brevard's another guy because you also have to think with defensive line, they're switching from a four-man front to – I guess it's technically – three man with two outside linebackers, it's going to have five players on the line of scrimmage. So they have to have, sure. now they're bringing in a nose tackle and that's going to be Cole Brevard from Penn state. So it's going to be transfer heavy, but they, I think they, they love a lot of their outside linebackers. So I think they have enough faith in the inside linebackers and that are the inside interior defense alignment. And they love a guy like Nick Caraway on the outside. I think if there's a guy that's a leader of the team that could be the second best player on the team, besides like a Hudson card, it's Nick Caraway at outside linebacker who they've, sung the prices for all spring interesting so caraway only played 250 snaps last year like if, if he's a major part to pair him with what i assume uh, keeter and jenkins uh, on the other side there like that could be a really interesting combo because caraway and jenkins have you know, they're really more that like stand-up jack uh type you know body type and there's not that many teams in the west that chuck the ball around so they, they, may, they may be able to play a more of a heavy front in, in more games than we realize. Like, if you think about it, as you mentioned, the schedule, you know, Fresno, we'll see if they can throw it without Jake Hayner. Uh, Vatek, I don't anticipate being able to throw the football effectively. Syracuse probably can. You know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa don't have passing games that totally scare you. Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern. Like, Ohio State, you'll probably have to get out of that five-man front. But you could play whatever front you, you want to, and that's still a difficult game for, for most teams out there, unless your name is Georgia. Or Michigan, I guess. Secondary wise, I like the pair of corners they have coming back, and I assume they do too, given that they basically never left the field last year. But you're losing your top five corners: Trice, Taylor, Graham, Jefferson, and Hampton. It, yeah, are they in trouble there, or, or do they feel like they've hit on these transfers? Yeah, I, I think they really believe that they like the transfers: Marquis Wilson from Penn State, Marquise Brown from Ole Miss, and. Salem Tarhamid from Stanford. There's a lot of guys that they brought in. That I think they have faith that at least one of them can stick next to Jamari Brown, if not have two transfer cornerbacks be impactful. And I think the big thing is obviously Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane, the defensive coordinator who worked with Ryan Walters at Illinois with this defense. They believe that they're going to go with that five, five, one, five, even at times five, two, four, something along those lines. They're going to play four to five defensive backs and at times only one linebacker on the field. And I think with, they believe with those two returning safeties they have in Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen, and then when you bring in an experienced mobile linebacker like OC Brothers, I think they they believe that they can maybe compensate with the corner play a little bit or at least find two that are passable to play in that whole defensive backfield that's going to be multiple. Mick, uh, if, if last year's team lined up to play this year's team, and ignore the cloning part because obviously like you know, you'd have to have some guys play for, for both teams. Is there a clear winner in your mind, or is it just kind of – somewhat even uh, i i don't want it's hard to say a clear win. i think I, you'd have to think that this team would this year's team would be able to give them a game but i mean that's a team that won the big 10 west obviously they had a lot of luck in doing so but 
they achieved things that had never been done before at Purdue with very experienced players and multiple NFL draft picks. So I, I think you'd have to lean that last year's team would be able to beat this year's team just with the unknown of Hudson Card, the the uneven history of Graham Harrell's offense, even though I think a lot of people are high on what he can do and the unknown of how this defense is going to translate from Illinois to Purdue with this, the personnel. If they drastically exceed expectations, which uh, I don't know what their win total is in Vegas. I should probably have that pulled up. I believe it's around five or so. It's, it's right around that bowl eligibility mark. If they if this team does find a way to go like seven and five, you know, like beat their win total by one and a half, two wins, who's the guy other than Hudson Card, since we already talked about him a lot, who has stepped up a ton? Yeah, I think I think obviously at that point Nick Carraway's got to be a guy that's playing himself into one of the better defensive players in the Big Ten. But I think it's going to have to be whether it's Jamal Dreen or KJ Sheffield. I think you have to have one of those guys that's creeping up on a, a second, third team, at least all big 10, like honoree along with a guy like Hudson card that can make this offensive passing game explosive and multiple and give them the ability to do so. But like you said, it's going to go down to Hudson card and be able to steal some of these games against whether it's a, I know they really obviously with the staff's coaching ties and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's whenever they, they've had a few recruiting battles. So Brett Bielma and Ryan Walters, they've gone back and forth subtweeting wise at each other. So I think that Illinois game being a homecoming game in September at Purdue is going to be a big one they want to get. Obviously, you want to get your Indiana, like, and then obviously get the Fresno State game is big with Ryan Walters' first game. So I think if they're going to go through that and pull off some of these games, whether it's the the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, the Minnesota, some of those teams where Big Ten West could be a toss-up, it's going to have to be Hudson Card teaming up with other wide receivers like Sheffield, Adrian, and then Nick Carraway just being a guy that's almost unblockable or pretty unstoppable on the defensive line. And I, I assume the answer here is offensive line, but I, I'll ask because I ask it in basically every show. Uh, excluding quarterback, what what position group or, or, or position can they really not afford injury at? Because the backups just uh, n- not that they suck or that they you know, they'll never be good, but that just they're not ready to to help you this year as, as replacements. Like where, where do they really have to stay healthy? Yeah, I think we, we the two biggest ones, the obvious ones, would be corner and offensive line because there's so many transfer bodies being brought in. But I think the other one that we haven't really touched on is inside linebacker. They're not going to play a lot of them this year, but they they have OC brothers who's played a lot. Jacob Wallenberg left and transferred this spring. They have Yanni Karloftis, George George Karloftis, younger brother, who's just kind of getting settled in this inside linebacker spot after moving from inside D line to inside to D line throughout the early years of him being on campus. So I think if you exclude offensive line and quarterback and then even cornerback, I think outside line, inside linebacker is another spot where if OC brothers went down, it would be some guys that aren't necessarily the athletes they need to be on the field when it's only one linebacker on the field. Makes sense. Mick, really appreciate the time. Everybody needs to go down. Uh, well, I, I guess you're going to have to point to it because I'm on the left side, but there's a there's a QR code that will be put in, uh, put in post-production. Appreciate the time. Everybody needs to check out Boulder Sports Report. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Summer School. It's Rutgers Day. That means I'm bringing on my man, Bobby Darren of Scarlet Nation. Bobby, welcome to the show. Let's talk a little Rutgers. All right. Thanks for having me on, but I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So uh, four and eight last year. I know they suffered some difficult preseason injuries, at least looking back through my notes that had seemed to uh, to hamper them at times. Uh, let's just jump on. I mean, four and eight, they were Bill Connolly had a 97th in the country, uh, looks like in terms of power rating. So not not really you know, a super competitive team. There were some some bright spots, which which I, I know we hope will, will shine a little brighter uh, this year. But let's let's jump into this thing. So last year, the offense was 119th in the country, uh, opponent adjusted, and, and really just not competitive uh, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, they played Gavin Wimsat a lot. He, he, he took the most snaps at quarterback. Do you think there's pressure to play him because of his high recruiting ranking? Because like the numbers there, I mean, 29% success rate on dropbacks is the lowest I've seen ever on, like, on, on any spreadsheet of a quarterback that's a starter. And less than a, a, a ratio of one for touchdown interception, less than 50% completions. Like it, do they think he's turning the corner? Like, it, do you think they're pl- like playing him because they've sold him to the boosters? Is there any hope this guy can actually play? Well, last year, the plan wasn't to play him. Noah Vedro was supposed to play and start for the third season. He suffered an injury in training camp, and it was a hand injury, and it just never healed correctly. So they were going back and forth. Wimsett was actually platooning with Evan Simon. Wimsett got hurt, and then when he came back, Vedro still wasn't right. Simon didn't do the job. So the staff kind of said, look, let's let's play him, and, and let's let's hope this works for next year, and let's build this young player. But I don't think it was initially pressure boosters or anything. It was just kind of out of necessity necessity because uh Vedro was injured and Evan Simon just wasn't getting the job done you know they they lost two games against Nebraska and Iowa in which the defense played well enough to win but the offense was just giving the ball away and just and not doing anything so they just turned it over to Wimsett and said hey let's play for the future and hopefully that experience uh will help this season and he has looked a lot better in spring practice so I mean it remains to be seen what he's going to do this year but you know the plan wasn't just to play him regardless last year they were kind of forced into it a little bit he was also a kid if I recall who reclassified up so he like he skipped a year of of high school which I I think if you're a quarterback dad out there it's I know it's attractive to do that at times, but I don't know that that's necessarily the best idea. Like I, I, I know as an evaluator, I, I like when guys get a lot of reps at the high school level and and get mm-hmm. get a whole lot of experience. Uh, you know, Noah's gone this year. Simon and Wimsett are back. Is it safe to assume that, that Gavin is going to be the starter? Yeah, he's. I mean, Greg's gonna, not going to come out and say, "Oh, he's our guy right now," but he's the guy. You know, um, you, you're going to see him. You know, the, the, the staff try to really roll with him and they have three pivotal games from from their vantage point early in the season open with the, uh, Northwestern Temple and Virginia Tech. And, for, you know, if you're talking about Rutgers making a bowl game, you pretty much have to go through a clean sweep of those three games. So they're really prepping him for that role. And he did look better in spring practice. The accuracy was better. He was more composed. He looked a little more mature. And as you said, he came in as a high school senior and as a quarterback. It's a really tough adjustment, especially when you're on an offense that really hasn't been successful 
successful. So he wasn't like he could just chuck it up to playmakers or had all time all the time in the world to throw the ball. And um, he was also his ankle wasn't 100 percent last year when he was starting. He looks a lot faster this year. So um, the plan is to really try to let him, you know, live up to somewhere near his his uh, high school ranking. No doubt about it. And look, guys, there's no law that says you can't improve. So I, I, I am. I'm hopeful that, that that he will improve. We'll, we'll see if he can get to sort of a, a more playable level. And you mentioned the schedule there. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Like they do get Northwestern from the West. They also draw Iowa and Wisconsin, who are, are kind of the, the co-favorites from the West. You get Wagner in the non-conference as well. Uh, but it's not crazy to think that if they were to sweep that first three, you, obviously you, 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 will, you will beat Wagner I, unless some, some kind of really weird stuff happens, which if you sweep the first three, you're not going to lose to Wagner. Uh, and mm-hmm. then maybe Indiana or or Maryland or uh, who knows maybe, maybe Iowa's offense just doesn't show up like that's mm-hmm. certainly happened before. <laughs> right. uh, so right. yeah, I, I I could see an, an upside if if everything goes right of of a bowl game there. Um, run game should be kind of a strength, I guess. They they return almost everybody in the backfield. Um, Kyle was the leader last year in terms of carries and yards. Is there any reason to think it, it won't be him and Brown uh, again in the backfield, or, or is there somebody kind of down the depth chart who could be primed to step up? Well, I, I think Aaron Young will be uh, the second running back. He was injured in the um, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl when they took that spot, uh, oh, okay. you know, prior to last season. And he just wasn't recovered from a knee injury last year, but he's looked really good in spring ball. And he kind of compliments Sam Brown. I think Kyle Manunga will get some carries in there, but I think it'll be Brown and and Aaron Young more as your one-two punch. And they're, they're both good running backs, but as you know, they're only going to be as good as the offensive line can push them to be. Um, you have seen improvements. They brought Pat Flaherty in, you know, former New York Giants offensive line coach for many years. Um, so they did look better in the spring as well. Um, I wouldn't expect leaps and bounds improvements, but, you know, just being able to sustain something in in that aspect of the game should really help the offense. And, and they have the backs to do it. They just got to give them some room to run. Receiver seems like, like a position that lost uh, quite a bit. Their, their top three guys, at least uh, in terms of, of target share, are all gone. And, and uh, Crunkshake, uh, Ryan, and Jones. How do you feel about this unit? Do you think there, there's guys here who can step up and take their place? Well, they, they just uh, pulled in a transfer in Jaquay Jackson. He's a Division II California guy, but, he you know, he had a, you know, high teens offers. It was a really sought after guy, you know, was visiting Colorado, Miami, um, Texas A&M. All these big schools wanted him. Michigan State was after him. So it was a big land for them. And he's going to be their number one guy, you know, can do a lot of things, had a big year uh, last season. So we'll see if he can make the step up to the Big Ten. But he's probably going to jump in and be that number one guy. They brought in another transfer from uh, Western Illinois, Nicene Brantley. Uh, Chris Long is a younger guy who they're going to turn to this year. But you know, even those guys left last year, then they did make catches. It wasn't like they were, you know, first round picks. You know, they were just they, they're not going to be huge voids to fill. Um, even though they they produced, it wasn't like, you know, th- this group was really paving the way for a spectacular offense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So offensive line was improved at times last year. They, they did have some some health issues where they you know, had to play the backups maybe more than, than they wanted to uh, throughout mm-hmm. the year. But they returned. So they lose Willie Tyler to the transfer portal, which I guess could hurt. There, there were some teams that thought he was a you know, fairly good player. Uh, the, the metrics don't totally agree but i guess we'll see who's right on that the the, the eyes or, or, or the nerds uh and then you know jd dorenzo the left guard uh is gone is this a unit that that could avoid taking a step back fine you know and tyler was benched at the end of the season for dorenzo they moved him over to yeah. left tackle so you know there's not a lot of depth the proven depth there they have a lot of guys but not a lot of guys you can really turn to and and i think the, the hope is really that this new offense behind um you know, offensive coordinator Kurt Soraka from Minnesota and Pat Flaherty working the offensive line will help with those improvements. And, and like I said, the unit did look more cohesive. It did look like a better unit in in the spring. But, you know, I've seen spring flashes before, you know, in, and then, you know, it doesn't always translate. But there is hope for the offense. I mean, it wasn't like they, they went out and, and completely restructured the O-line. The hope is that these guys will develop a little bit better, you know, under this new coaching regime. Let's turn to the defense now, Bobby. So much better on defense, which is kind mm-hmm. of a hallmark of Greg Schiano. And I, I don't know, like I think cover three listeners know. I, I, I think Schiano can coach. I, mm-hmm. I do think he knows what he's doing. I think they're good talent evaluators, and they're just kind of in an impossible situation in, you know, in in the Big Ten, especially with, with the divisional structure, which I guess they're, they're pretty fortunate it's going away. I think just to be able to play. Yeah. Not not that they've necessarily done well against the West teams, but they're. There's more hope when you're not playing Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State every year. Yes. You know, uh, defensive line should be pretty darn, like, strong, right? Bailey's back. Lewis is back. Hamilton, Rainey. uh, A bunch of guys are back. Like, is there upside there for them to take a big step? Or is it just like, hey, consistent, we know what we got here. There's a lot of veterans. I, I think that uh, the defense can be really good. They also brought in old Miss transfer defensive lineman Isaiah Eaton, who will be there for a year. Um, so the linebacking core is really stacked. I mean, all three levels, they have good players. Um, problem is, you know, when, when they're playing well and, and the offense is going three and out, three and out, three and out, by the end of the game, you're getting gassed. And, and you know, it, they need that offense to sustain some drives and keep them off the field. Um, that was the big, you know, it, the big drawback from last year. And and even when they played Iowa last year, they lost 27-10, but they gave up. The offense gave them two touchdowns. So, you know, you take them away, and, and it was really a close game. So they really weren't helped out much last year by that offense. So um, I, I think you see, uh, you know, some NFL draft picks in there, you know, not – you know, first round guys, but you're going to see some guys get selected, especially some of the names you said, you know, uh, Keontae Hamilton, uh, uh, Aaron Lewis, Wesley Bailey, all guys with with a real high ceiling. Absolutely. Linebacker also returns basically everybody who played at all. And mm-hmm. I had this guy marked on my sheet preseason last year as an important injury. They lost uh, Muhammad, is it Torre? I don't know, Torre, in the yes. preseason. And like his 21 numbers were really strong. So mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, is he... It, like I know he's back on the roster. Is he back and healthy? Like is he a guy that, that that's going to be able to make an impact? 
Yeah, he he's back to health. I've seen him. He looks like a freak. Um, yeah. Really good shape, and he's you know they're going to switch him between linebacker and and that end and the hybrid rusher type, and he should have a really really good season. And and another guy who was lost for the year was Moses Walker, former four star, you know, picked Rutgers over Penn State. Um, he was he had an ACL along with Muhammad Ture. It happened, you know weeks apart in last spring so he'll be back and i could see him actually jumping into a starting role by the end of the season just a really good player so uh, that linebacker position and, you know uh, greg likes to use two linebackers at times so um the two guys that he should have in there and the guys rotating in should be a really tough um tough unit and you might you might see him use three just because of all the talent he has across the board tyreen powell is another guy i think you should watch for on on uh, you know in, in the draft next year six five can really move uh you know just not your common size and athleticism for a, a linebacker, but that unit should be really good. But the back end concerns me a little bit. I I, I thought Avery Young and and and, uh, and and Christian Eisen were pretty solid corners, and now those guys are gone. Uh, Braswell's gone as well. I know they attacked the transfer portal here pretty hard. Uh, have you been able to get eyes on, on the guys they took in the portal so far? And, and what what do you think mm-hmm. as far as the? I, I assume there's some kind of drop off here, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe they're actually. Uh, upgrades o- over what they had. Well, you know, Avery Young played his first three years at corner, and then went to safety, and and he had some struggles at the position. So you have, um, they brought in uh, Flip Dixon from Minnesota, who has starting experience. He's going to be playing that back end there at safety. Um, you have Desmond Ibnusen, who's also uh, who's a returning starter. I think you're going to see a big jump up from him this season. Uh, Shaquan Loyal takes over for a former four star takes over for Christian Izian, and he's he should be able to step right in there. And and Greg loaded up on corners. Eric Rogers from North Northern Illinois looked really good in in the uh, in the spring. I think he's a guy to, to really keep an eye on. Max Melton should be a guy who is probably their highest pick after this year leaving uh, in the twenty four draft class. So um, Greg coaches the, the he takes some time to coach the defensive backs too. I, I think you'll see uh, that unit. They they should be pretty solid this year. And now you can only cover for so long, so they're going to have to depend on that pass rush to get to the quarterback. So um, you know that works on like kind of a hinge. So um, you know, I, but I, I think they'll be stacked across the board on defense, and that's not the issue. The issue, really, bud, what we talked about is can that offense really get anything going and then help them out a little bit. I mean, if the offense can go from 119th to like, you know, 80th, even, which is a, a, a 40 spot jump. I mean, that that would really enable them to play enough close. If the defense is as good as we think it can potentially be, we would not like that. That lets them play enough close games. Maybe the coin flips fall their way, and and they do right. they do make a bowl game. One thing that really helped out the defense last year, uh, though, and we don't talk a ton of special teams on this show, but Bobby, this punter, uh, Corsak, was ridiculously <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, like, I know, top two, three punter in the country for sure. And now he's gone. Uh, what do they have behind him? I don't even know like who the listed punter is going to be for this year. Well, they brought in another Australian, this kid, Flynn Appleby. So, okay. I mean, he's, he's done well, but he's got such big shoes to fill. I mean, Corsak was not only good, he was good for five years there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's every year who's the MVP of the team, Corsak, Corsak, Corsak. And, yes, he's the punter, but he just did some amazing things. I mean, he went over two years without a touchback, you know what I mean, and, and was just pinning teams. And the field position game was was helped so much by, by what he could do. 90% so, uh, fair catch rate for Corsak. It's it was insane. You'd watch him and, and you just you know you you'd just be like wow every week. This is I mean it's really to have an, a net average of forty four and a ninety percent catch rate is not normal. Like normal like 
okay, you, 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 may, you may hit some bombs, but then like the guys return them. Like he was hitting bombs that were, that would hang for a long time. And mm-hmm. that was, yeah, that, that's going to be very interesting to follow. Cause like Rutgers could have an act legitimately much improved defense and still allow about the same number of points. If opponents are starting, you know, five, six yards, better field position right. than they were mm-hmm. last year. I guess that's, you know, we'll have to remind remember to do that in the component analysis. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. It, when you're out at practice or when you're talking to your sources, mm-hmm. where's the spot that, like, okay, the backups can't play? Like, or they're not ready to play yet this season, that they really have to stay healthy at this spot because the backups just are, are not not able to really play? What? Well, the old line, for one, I mean, okay. you have – and to give you an example on that, but the the backup tackle, Kamar Missouri, will probably be the guy that goes left and right tackle. So if your left tackle gets hurt, your right tackle gets hurt, he's probably the guy that goes in for both of them. So when you have one guy going that way because there really isn't another guy to fill in, um, I think if they start getting decimated on the old line – it's it's trouble, you know, because you're 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 just hoping some of these guys can be cohesive enough to give you some pulse on offense. And if they start going down, you know, you're going back to trying to develop some younger guys, guys who haven't played, and and um, you know, things could get ugly there. Absolutely. Uh, but let me ask you this: I, I I think I know the answer for some schools like like West Virginia and and, and Maryland, um, but I'm not sure I know for Rutgers, like like. Are Rutgers fans happy with the move to the Big Ten? Like with West, with Maryland, they're like, okay, we got the money, but like fans don't make the money, right? That that that, right. that the program gets. Rutgers was in the old Big East, so you know, kind of falling apart as as, as a conference. Are they happy with this move? Oh, very much so. They just, okay. you know, it, after after Greg left, um, Kyle Flood was still playing with some of Greg's players. First year, they finished eight and five, you know, in the Big Ten, beat Michigan that year. So things were looking up, but then Flood era kind of just, you know, went downhill quick. And then they hired Chris Ash and it went downhill even faster. And it, it was kind of like when Seattle came back, they were excited because this is the place where they wanted to be in the Big Ten, but just didn't have the means to compete there. And there were some dark years there, you know, during when Chris Ash was there. I mean, you're talking, they, they lost a the game to Michigan 78 to nothing, you know, and, and didn't get first down until the first fourth quarter. So um, the move was, you know, embraced, I mean, you know, across the board in all sports and you've seen the success in basketball. So the hope is that the football team can kind of emulate that, that rise and resurgence that they've seen on the basketball court. And Shiano did it once. So there's still confidence he can do it again. Bobby, I really appreciate the time today, man. This has been fun. Everybody needs to check out Scarlet Nation. Got the QR code if you guys are watching us down on YouTube, down in the corner, and uh, we'll, we'll have to catch up again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, bud. I appreciate it. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.